Singing this morning, you may be seated. I invite you to turn with me to the other Christmas passage. Oftentimes we think of Luke chapter 2 as the Christmas passage, and we just heard that read. But there's another Christmas passage in Matthew. We're in Matthew chapter 2 this morning. We'll come back to the Gospel of Mark next week. Ironically, for this Christmas season at least, Mark is the Gospel we've been going through on our Sunday mornings of late. And Mark says nothing of the birth of Christ. It jumps right in, as you remember, because you've been in it with us, right there with the baptism by John the Baptist. But Matthew chapter 2 is where we're at today. As we open the book of Matthew, we discover... That Matthew is writing in order to reveal the royalty of Jesus Christ. And so Matthew is used by the Spirit of God to reveal the kingship of our Savior. Mark, of course, as we've been going through, reveals Christ's servanthood. Matthew reveals Christ as king. And so Matthew begins in the first chapter to produce the pedigree of the king. And we won't read Matthew chapter 1, but if you scan there with your eyes, you'll find that there are 44 names listed in Matthew chapter 1, taking us back to the one being the son of Abraham and the rightful heir of the throne of David through those 44 names, the genealogy then of the king. And Matthew refers to the prophecies of the king at the end of Matthew 1, when he says in verse 22, Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. Now as we open to Matthew chapter 2, we discover that Matthew is going to continue to unroll proofs of the royalty of Jesus in chapter 2. And whereas in chapter 1 he looks at the pedigree and ends with the prophecies, in chapter 2 he introduces us to people that would push us to understand that Jesus is the proper king. And there are several people unfolded in chapter 2. The philosophers from the east come and worship him. As a young boy I always used to love when my mom would set up the manger scenes, and thinking that I had such incredible and astute biblical knowledge, I would always put the wise men on the other side of the living room. Because the wise men weren't there yet, they were still traveling. But now when we come to chapter 2, we discover here they are. And we also see that the priests in Jerusalem heard about him. After all, he knew he would be born in Bethlehem. And there's a politician that is troubled because of Jesus. And even that presents to us by the wise men these proofs of Jesus and these people that are seen there all point to the fact that Jesus is king, which is the emphasis of this book, Matthew, and certainly how he wants to start his book. Let's read Matthew 2, the other Christmas passages often referred to. It says in verse 1, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, There came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes and the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophets. That thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they had seen in the east, went before them, till it came and stood over the young child. And when they they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. 
And then when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child and with Mary and his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasure, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream, they should not return to Herod. They departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt, and be there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. And was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled which was spoken to the Lord by the prophets, saying, Out of Egypt I have called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceedingly wroth, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and all the coasts thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, In Ramah there was a voice heard lamenting and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and would not be comforted, because they are not. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for they are dead which sought the young child's life. And he arose, and took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he had heard that Archelaus did reign in Judea, in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither. Notwithstanding being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside to the parts of Galilee, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. It's hard not to miss some pretty important characters interwoven in that text. There's a prominent character whose name is repeated often, Herod. Herod becomes a pretty important character in the Christmas story. And there's prophets that are quoted often, and we see even an evil king's wishes and ways are still governed by the sovereign decree of a God who's in control. Every Christmas season, there's probably a lot of Christmas stories that you love to read with your children. One that came out over 60 years ago is probably on your Christmas list as your parent. It's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. My son, Eli, loves the Grinch right now. I don't know uh, what this infatuation with the Grinch or where it came from, but he loves the Grinch. It's pretty cool. The green guy, he loves to think about it. He probably could finish some of the words of the poem when Dr. Seuss says it could be that his head wasn't screwed on quite right. It could be perhaps his shoes were too tight, but I think the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. That's the Grinch who stole Christmas. Now, the truth of the matter is, while that might be a famous story in some way, maybe the first Grinch, really the first evil character of Christmas, was not invented by Dr. Seuss. The first evil character of Christmas was the king who missed Christmas, we could say, or the man who missed Christmas, or the man who sought to steal Christmas, Herod. And as surely as fictional Grinch stood on a mountain overlooking a small village to try to take their presents, even so, Herod stood on his own mountain in his own palace trying to look how he could destroy the Christ child. The fact is, as we look at Matthew 2, and even as we explore Herod's story, we come to discover that we are all in danger of missing Christmas if we're not careful. The birth of Jesus may threaten the wicked, but it should bring joy to the wise. 
As we open to our, our Bibles to Matthew 2, it seems the Holy Spirit has woven together the stories of the reception of Jesus as the child with the rejection of Jesus the child. And I see a man, Herod, who is asking a question, where is this child that's also asked by the shepherds, it's also asked by the wise men, and it seems the Holy Spirit has interwoven those who will receive with those who will reject to paint us a very clear picture. We discover that some are threatened by the revelation of Jesus' royalty. Others will receive it. And the question is, what will you do with Christ at Christmas? After all, number one, the birth of Jesus threatens the insecure. As Herod reigned, he becomes increasingly paranoid and unstable. History history remembers Herod as the paranoid tyrant. And so it was when the wise men came to Herod and told him this was one born king of the Jews, Herod was troubled. And insecure people are always jealous people. When Herod first heard of this newborn babe that the wise men claimed was the rightful heir to the throne, he was greatly troubled. It says when Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled. And I want you to notice that all of Jerusalem was troubled with him. It's no wonder that Jerusalem was troubled with him. You didn't want to cross Herod. You certainly didn't want to make Herod upset. Herod was intensely insecure and supremely jealous and wickedly cruel. History books, even of Josephus, are filled with the records of Herod's evil. So it was that Herod drowned his brother-in-law, Aristopolis, who was Israel's high priest. And when he drowned Aristopolis, it is said that Herod stood and wept at the man's funeral. That's how wicked Herod was. Herod killed his own mother-in-law in a fit of rage, history tells us. Later in his life, when Herod felt threatened that his throne would be taken from him, he killed three of his sons and one of his wives. He was married ten times. This earned him the saying that is often attributed in history to Augustus, who said, it would be better to be Herod's pig than Herod's son. By the time the wise men showed up in Matthew 2, Herod would have been 70 years of age or around that time. He knew that his time on earth was short. And ever so jealous for his rule, he had a sensational thought. I'm going to take the civil leaders of Judah and put them all in jail. And so Herod, at 70 or around that time, put all the civil leaders in jail with this decree. When I die, they will also be put to death. And the reason for that is he wanted people to grieve his death. It's no wonder then that when Herod heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem was troubled with him. Of course they would be troubled. They are ruled by an insecure, jealous man, and you don't want to cross Herod. I bring that up, frankly, because it is that way even today. The message of Christ always steps on the toes of jealous people. Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. And I want you to notice what Peter preached. Call upon the name of the Lord. That's the master and owner of you to be saved. In fact, Paul would tell the Philippian jailer, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. 
In fact, this phrase, Lord and Master, is found frequently throughout the pages of Acts. In fact, that's what we are called on. Not here in Acts, our Savior, but here in Acts, our Lord, our Master, our Ruler. In his letter to Romans, Paul would say, Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Herod's rejection of Christ boiled down to this one thing. His unwillingness to submit to Christ as Lord, Master, and yes, the true King. But coming to Christ means that you must totally set aside your own pride and live for a new Master. Even Jesus' own brother had to recognize this at some point. And he did. In fact, Jesus' own brother James would recognize this later when he wrote his own book. He would say in James 1 verse 1, James, a servant of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, the word servant literally means slave. How many people have let pride keep them out of heaven? How many insecure, jealous people will allow their jealousy to send them to hell? And how many Christians have let their pride keep them from being used by God? The birth of Jesus always threatens the insecure because it's saying, here is the true king. And insecure people are jealous people, and insecure people are spoiled people. The Bible tells us in Matthew 2, verse 1, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king. When Jesus was born... Everyone was fixated on Herod and his monumental accomplishments. Herod had more power and more money than anyone in that land in that time. In fact, he could lounge in luxury that still astounds us 2,000 years later. If he didn't want to rest in his Herodium, he could use his other palace in Jerusalem because, of course, he had two of them. He had another palace on the Mediterranean coast at Caesarea. Because, of course, if you've got two, you might as well have three. And yet another palace in Masada near the Dead Sea, because if you've got three, what's the stretch to go ahead and build a fourth? From a worldly point of view, Herod lacked for nothing, and yet he missed everything. The only way to find Christmas this year is to find the Christ child. All of the gifts surrounding this holiday will not do anything but choke out the reality of Christmas if we're not careful. Even Herod would be impressed with the materialism surrounding the American Christmas season that chokes out the reality of Christ. Statistics indicate that adults spend more than $900 per person on gifts each year, every year since 2007, according to a Gallup poll. Just as telling, the polls have shown that while Americans admit to spending more money on the holidays the previous year, the amount, and and admit by saying so that they wish they wouldn't, the amount continues to go up every single year. This equates into something like $200 billion in America alone that will be spent on Christmas presents just today. How much money is that, you ask? You could lay dollar bills end to end on the equator that'll be spent today and then circle the globe with those dollar bills 800 times. Insecure people 
lay up all kinds of treasures around them. And what they do is they choke out the truth of Christ. Herod had all the money in the world, and he still missed Christmas. If you're under some illusion that the best Christmases are the ones when you get the best presents, then you're missing the entire point, and this particular year paints that picture all the more truly. Sunday is the Lord's Day. We are commanded to worship on a Sunday. It's not a suggestion, it's literally a command. I'm so glad for your presence today. But to take away from Sunday so you can open presents, presents rather, on a Christmas day is to point out the reality of exactly what Herod is missing. And I fear there may be a lot of Herods in that way, even in 2023. They miss Christmas. And we're all prone to missing Christmas. There are those in this world who are so perpetually threatened by Christmas for this reason. The God of this age has blinded the men, minds of them who believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Right. Don't miss Christmas. But the birth of Christ also threatens the hypocrite. When the wise men came to Herod, Herod was understandably curious as to why they traveled so far. Now, there's all kinds of speculation as to where the wise men came. If you want my speculative guess, I think they came from Babylon. And the reason I think that is because if you open to the book of Daniel, you'll come to discover that Daniel talks about astrology, which would have been something that the Babylonians would have been very interested in. And they could have just from Daniel traced the star in the east. I think they came from Babylon. We'll get to heaven and we'll find out where they came from. But they certainly came from a distance. And this certainly caught the attention of Herod. And their question frightened him. Where is he born king of the Jews? After all, he's an imposter on the throne. And their, their question is, and we have seen the star in the east and, and we have come to worship him. And this question alone troubled Herod. After all, Herod was a hypocrite by position. The Jews living in the times of Jesus thought of and knew of Herod as a usurper on the throne. Herod's lineage was that of an Edomite. He was the son of Esau. As such, Herod had no royal Jewish blood flowing through his veins at all. But he had been a friend of Julius Caesar. His friendship had curried favor, and he had been made a ruler in Galilee in the year 45 B.C. People did not like him at that time. In fact, his political career did not start well at all. Though he had known many of the Caesars, he had become a friend of Anthony Octavius. And Anthony Octavius would decree and appoint Herod governor of Judah in the year 37 B.C., in so doing, basically restart Herod's then-failing political career. And when Herod became governor of Judah, he would marry Mariam, or Mariamne, who was a Hasmonean Jew. He did this on purpose. He did this seeking affiliation with the Jewish royalty, and somehow by marrying Mariamne, he would gain some credibility and somehow merit the throne. He would even rebuild the temple for the Jews and make it one of the seven wonders of the world. Why did he do that? 
because the Jews didn't want him. He wanted to kind of gain some kind of favor. So when Herod heard the wise men say, where is he born king of the Jews, he could not have been a happy camper. This was a threatening question. It was the one question that Herod did not want asked, and he had worked hard to make sure no one asked. He didn't want to give up his position. He wanted to make sure they thought of himself as at least temperate to their faith. Think of the man in history. He made free use of Christian vocabulary. He talked about the blessings of the Almighty and the Christian confessions, which would become the pillars of his new government. He assumed the earnestness of a man weighed down by historic responsibility. He handed out pious stories to the press, especially to church papers. He showed his tattered Bible and declared that he drew the strength from the Bible. He littered his speeches with pious words, and people welcomed him as a man sent from God. Indeed, if you think of it historically, Adolf Hitler was a master of outward religiosity. Even so, there are many today who will name the name Jesus, but have no claim to be the Son of God. They don't know because they're hypocrites by position. Jesus would say, there are many who will claim, Lord, Lord, and I will say, I don't even know who you are. But Herod was also a hypocrite by practice. As Herod reasoned that this perch of power was being targeted, he acted the hypocrite. And Herod sent the wise men to Bethlehem, and he said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Oh, really? <laughs> you can almost see his sly smile as Herod is talking to the Magi. I would like to go and worship him too. Really, Herod? The story is told of a rather pompous-looking man who was impressed with his work in the church, and he asked, why do people call me a Christian? To which his wife paused for a moment and gave him the rebuke, maybe it's because they don't know you very well. <laughs> there are those who hate Jesus, but for whatever reason, they may put on a smile on their face. They may sing the Christmas carols, but they still harbor an animosity towards his claim to be king, even king of their heart. The psalmist says it this way, the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord, against his anointed. Why would they persecute him so? Why would Herod seek to see this man destroyed? It is because the kings of the earth are threatened by the king of kings. And Herod was threatened. And the birth of Jesus threatens ultimately the proud. If you had to sum up the life of Herod into one word, it could be best summarized with the word pride. Herod was motivated by pride above all else, and it was pride that drove him in misery to his grave. And your prideful rejection will impact others. In verse 16, Matthew records that when Herod saw that he was mocked by the wise men, in other words, he had said, I'm going to come and worship him. And of course, we read that the angels said, no, he's not. Don't go back to Herod. And so they don't. And when Herod discovers that he is mocked, they didn't come back to him. He does the unthinkable. When he saw that he was mocked, it was exceedingly wrath. 
and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and all the coast thereof from two years old and under. The Coventry Carol is a Christmas carol. You probably heard the song or the tune. It dates back to the early 16th century. The words of it are taken from the mystery that depicts the Christmas story found in Matthew 2. The carol refers to the massacre of the innocents in which Herod ordered all the male infants two years old and under in Bethlehem to be killed. And the lyrics of this haunting carol represent a mother's lament for her doomed child. I won't sing it for you, I'll play it. If it'll play, I don't know. Just the music, but here's the words. Lule, Lule, thou little tiny child. You've probably heard this song. Bye-bye, Lule, Lule. Lule, Lule, thou little tiny child. Bye-bye, Lule, Lule. There's eight choruses. Some of them say, Herod the king, and is raging, charged he hath this day, his men of might and in no sight, all young children to slay. That woe is me, poor child for thee, and ever mourn in May. For thy party, neither say nor sing. Bye-bye, Lulai, Lulay. You probably heard that song, at least. If you listen to the haunting lyrics, you understand the words that I just put on the screen. Your prideful rejection will always impact others. Your rejection of Jesus is never isolated. And what we find pressing in the story of Herod, but certainly true in other passages as well, is that the rejection of Jesus most hardly impacts the innocent. It will impact those who really have no say yet yet in the battle. I'll never forget giving the invitation to a man in Concord, New Hampshire, to attend a Christmas program in our church that our church was hosting. He tossed the invitation out of my hand into the snowy ground and picked it up and I heard him say, I'm going to go to hell and have a party with the rest of my bodies. I was a teenager when I heard that. But the thing that really impressed me was in his other hand was the little hand of a wide-eyed little boy. I hope I never get over the fact that the rejection of an adult will always most seriously impact not only their soul, but the souls of the young ones next to them. Those that hate Jesus will impact others. But ultimately, your prideful rejection will destroy your life. Herod was as far from the faith as you could get, even though it appears that God was as close to Herod, (laughs) at least in proximity, as you could get. In fact, it appears that God seems to have gone out of his way to give Herod opportunity to come to Christ. International visitors traveled a great distance, and they had come first to Herod's palace, informing him of the birth of a new king. Herod would gather together his priests and and his wise leaders in the palace, and they would corroborate what these travelers had said, according to the scriptures, the Bible even says. Indeed, the Jewish people were looking for their Messiah, and it would have been hard to miss what they were doing. And yet, Herod is the original Grinch. (laughs) 
who missed Christmas. Josephus was the Jewish historian who was hired by the Romans to write the history of the Jews. And so it was that this Jewish historian Josephus would record the death of Herod. He would talk about the awful disease that plagued Herod's entrails. At the end of his life, Herod's breath was so foul that no one could be near him, and it was foul because of the rottenness on the inside of him. His body would know no ease of pain. His disease would become so flagrant and obvious that those who knew him described him later in his life as a maggot-filled corpse. That was Herod. And Herod died. He died a troubled sinner who didn't know a savior. Herod died a temporary king who had rejected the eternal king. He was a troubled man who rejected the prince of peace. Why? Because he felt threatened. He felt threatened, and and he was threatened because he was insecure. He was was threatened because ultimately he was an imposter on the throne. And because Herod felt threatened, he missed Christmas. But there were, in the same region, those who found Christmas. None were quicker to the manger bed than the shepherds who got the message from the angels. And Luke contrasts their response to that of Herod's perfectly. When Luke says, let us now go, even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. What a contrast between a king and shepherds. Herod had all the money in the world. The shepherds lived in poverty. Herod lived in luxury and had his choice of palaces to pillow his head. The shepherds lived in the fields. Herod was assured that he would never run out of food. The shepherds lived day to day on meager means. Herod was surrounded by intellectual, intelligent gathering assistants and even visited by foreign experts who told him that Christmas was here and showed it to him from scriptures and the stars. The shepherds were surrounded by wide open spaces and were caught completely off guard by heralding angels. And yet, it was the shepherds who found Christmas and the king who missed it. Herod's sin was amazingly exposed because he had an amazing position, amazing opportunity, and amazing power. Walking away from the ruins of Herodium, it's hard to miss a major truth. All that Herod ever owned lies in broken ruins and dust in the Middle East. All that we know of Herod is from history books and from the pages of Scripture. Was Herod truly Herod the Great? Today there are no hospitals built in Herod's name. No colleges or universities claim Herod as their inspiration. No charities rally around a good cause by remembering Herod's influence. Herod's picture certainly doesn't adorn anybody's jewelry today. If it weren't for the Christmas story, most of us wouldn't give much attention to Herod, would we? On the other hand, there's Jesus. At the beginning, Jesus was born in a homeless set of circumstances, running and fleeing from the so-called Herod the Great, who had his palace of beds, At the beginning, Mary and Joseph ran from Herod the way ants flee from a pest control worker. 
And in the end, Herod lay dead. And Jesus lived. And even after his death, Jesus lived again. And today, the world is a changed place, not because Herod was great, because Herod was not great. And Jesus is great. Amen. And there are many, there are many who even any time the calendar rolls around to, uh, as of yet, kind of arbitrary date, December 25th, and we can come to heaven someday and come to discover whether or not he was actually born on December 25th or some other day that we all like to speculate about. We do know this, Jesus lived. And he grew up. And he grew up to be a man who would walk the streets of Galilee and Jerusalem and Nazareth and he would be great, but he would be put to death. But he would put death to death that all might live. Let's not miss Christmas. <laughs> Let's not miss the realities that Jesus Christ has come to set us free. And while there may be many that are threatened by Christmas, may we be embrace the true meaning of Christmas and not miss Christmas. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, we thank you for the story even of a man who missed Christmas. Herod had every opportunity afforded to him. Lord, it'd be easy for us to look at Herod and recognize that for those who can hold a Bible in our own language in our laps, we have the freedom to come and worship you as we see in, our, in a free nation. We can celebrate Christmas boldly. Lord, we have every opportunity to know Christ. It's not for lack of opportunities. It's not for lack of knowledge that many reject Christ. It's because they refuse to accept him as their Lord. Lord, may we be ones that would recognize that the King of Kings was born to die for us. And may we accept him as our Savior. With every head bowed and every eye closed on this Christmas morning, the instruments are going to begin to play the first Noel. As they do so, perhaps for you, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, may today, this Christmas day, you accept Christ.